0: Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room podcast. Each week you'll join the Messiah Lutheran Church Bible study class led by Pastor Jim Audi. Pastor Audi is on vacation this week, but we are blessed to have guest speaker Richard Edwards lead us in today's lesson as we continue our series titled Living the Life of the Beloved and the Belonged. Enjoy.
1: Starting with last week, what you treasure is what is precious to you. Any thoughts? Does anybody have any treasures? <laughs> huh? Children and grandchildren, okay.
2: I was once told that if you really want to find out what's important to you, get out your checkbook register, see where your money's going. Ah. You'll find out what you treasure.
1: Hmm, that's an interesting one.
3: So what you
1: spend your time on. That's the one I've heard is go through and like write down the number of minutes or hours that you spend on whatever and add them all up and say, oh, I treasure sleep. (laughs) I understand it's really beneficial. So I I actually make an effort to treasure my sleep. What is precious to you will cost you time, energy, worry, sleepless nights, money, etc. That's true. I'm sort of anxious a little bit. My my daughter has called, I think twice this week, reporting air conditioning problems. So, and they just and they just bought the house like in the last six weeks or something like that. So, you. you I remember right after we bought a house, we had lots of extra money laying around. (laughs) So I'm anxious about that. Uh, When I was talking to Pastor Adi, he talked about anxiety is actually different by generation, which I thought was kind of interesting. And one of the things I thought about was, what phrases did you hear there were kind of like guidelines, if you will, to kind of fight against anxiety? Any, any thoughts? Well,
3: one thing that, that I was told that I try to keep in mind is if you're still going to be worried about this a year from now, go ahead and worry.
1: <laughs> well, I know that, that sounds like a good, good plan, you know. The one that stuck in my mind is the one that always gets me into trouble. And it was an outgrowth of the worries of my parents. And they're like, don't throw that away, we might need it.
3: <laughs>
1: I have a lot of that stuff, <laughs> much to the consternation of uh, Kathy. <laughs> She's like, if you haven't used it in the last year, you ought to throw it away. But any other like, things that you were told that kind of are used to fight off, we'll say, anxiety? Why would well, I always
4: hear
1: eat all the food
4: on your plate because there's kids in China that are starving? <laughs> yeah. Have anxiety because you had food and they didn't, but have you know, clean your plate.
1: Yeah, I, I heard that and it was funny because I, I was uh, doing a job in Hong Kong and one of my son's friends was doing a semester abroad uh, in Hong Kong and the Chinese kids are told, eat all the food on your plate, they're starving children in America. <laughs> So that's kind of funny. Oh, the other thing that Pastor Adi told me, which I found was really interesting, is that they've done studies of people with smartphones. And they have them, like, put them on the table, and the phone, like, makes a sound, whatever it is. And they measure the people's anxiety, and the longer they don't touch it,
0: <laughs>
1: the greater the anxiety. And so the way he put it to me is, it's like a dopamine administering device. So that when you, when you answer it, your brain sends out this chemical that's kind of like a feel-good thing. And, and I know I've seen news programs talking about even some of the engineers in Silicon Valley are beginning to worry about the addictive nature of various electronic devices. I guess if you needed it, you could like get with somebody and say, you know, I'm gonna need extra dopamine today. Please text me three or four times so that I'll, you know, kind of like those I've seen on the show where people talk about the phone call, so if the date's not going well, they can leave. Yes? Well, I think a really
3: good example of the stress level is with the millennials. Their phone goes off. I mean, no matter what they're doing,
4: they're there.
3: I mean, I've seen it in my granddaughter and <laughs> my grandson. And they're, you know, as soon as that phone goes off or it makes a noise, one of them is they're picking up their phone and they're answering right now. You know, they don't wait to answer, they have to do it right now.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that happens to a lot of people. I mean, I know. My wife has a sister who lives in New York who has some health problems. And I think they're trying to coordinate some big family event. And she's almost as fast on the phone, you know? So since she's not a millennial, for sure. But the other thing that I, I guess it must have been about three or four years ago was the 20th anniversary of the invention of the smartphone. And they did several news stories. And for me, it was beneficial because they talked about before, smart, or before cell phones, 10 digits represented a place. And now 10 digits represents a person. And that got me to thinking, you know, a long time ago, if I wasn't at home and you tried to call me, you couldn't talk to me. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> I've given my perce- my, myself permission not to talk to people. I turn my phone off and my wife and my kids sometimes aren't happy with me but it's like i turned it off cuz we didn't used to be always available and i don't think there's a requirement to be instantly available so
3: i know when when i got my first smart my first cell phone the only purpose was to sit in the bottom of my purse in case of an emergency <laughs> <laughs> Now it's right where I can grab it. <laughs> yeah.
1: We have a lot of emergencies. Yes.
4: <laughs> but, but too, like, um, I teach high school, and um, I always tell the kids that you, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know, but you should let your phone die at least once a week. Otherwise, it, you have ghost charging. And the one girl was freaking out when I told her that. <laughs> but she's like, I, I can't do it without my phone. I have to have it with like, me. But, two, um, the biggest issue I have is the parents because they text their kids and they want a response right now, even though they're in class.
1: hmm Oh, yeah. And it's
4: like, but you're in, I tell the kids, I will not let them have phones out when we're doing certain things. And they're like, my mom was mad because she texted me and I didn't respond back to her. You're in class. Your point of being there is to be learning something, not playing on your phones. Yeah. And that's been a big issue since we just let phones come in and never really taught kids. Kids don't know that there's an etiquette to how you should use your phone and when you should use your phone, and that's the biggest problem. I don't think people ever realize there really should be an etiquette to your phone.
1: Well, I think our level of what's an emergency is, is like, sunk so low that yeah,
4: I mean, it's,
1: it's, it's unbelievable. Yes?
4: On the flip side of this, with all the shootings in schools, parents want to know their kids are okay, so you've got to look at it like that, too, because we have a so high of anxiety that our kids are going to die going to school. So, um, But it's not that. That's not what test. But, but, um, <laughs> I know. We but had that, a gun at my school. What? We had a gun at my school this last year. You. So none of us even know just, about please it. Please I please mean, please it, please it was kept very, it was taken care of, boom, boom, never, it was down the hall for I me. Mean, had no idea it was even on campus. The resource officers dealt with it very quickly. There was no issue be, whatsoever.
0: Keep
1: no. Well, that's good, though. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that they could deal with that
4: so quickly and we didn't have a panic. We didn't have anything. Yep. OK, moving on to Matthew. <laughs> so you see it raises
1: a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. No, I know. And, and that's a lot of what I think that we have to. Uh, I think we have to be a testimony to what level of anxiety is appropriate and i think we live in a world where the level of anxiety in my opinion is higher than it needs to be you know i mean for me god's in control and there's really not a whole lot that i can do to improve the situation yes well going on going on that i agree with you and i think a lot of that also is um, that everything's so more fast-paced you know before you had anxiety but we had longer periods to to start to relax off mm-hmm. well nowadays I think it's just you know one one thing and then it's so fast you never
0: get that cool off period or that able period to relax yeah um, I think part of the anxiety in today's in today's world is just uh, also from a lack of understanding from other people um, let me explain uh, so being a of a millennial myself, um, I I can realize uh, the usefulness of a smartphone and just calling it a a phone is kind of a misnomer now. It's it's an internet communications device. Uh, There are so many uses, more than just talking to somebody, uh, you know, that you may need to be in contact with. People conduct entire multi-billion dollar businesses on their phone, on their smartphone. Uh, And it's a very powerful device, but uh, as is discussed earlier as well, uh, is that it can also be a form of anxiety. um, Because, uh, and as you mentioned, uh, with the study of the anxiety increasing after a notification has been put on somebody's phone and it buzzes, uh, the anxiety increases. uh, But also the the notification dot, that red notification dot, releases a similar uh, dopamine uh, hit, uh, Mm -hmm. which is why uh, so many apps nowadays on smartphones have a red notification dot that just comes up sporadically because you're like, oh, what's that? What's that notification? I need to go get it. Um, but uh, with the with the millennial generation and later generations that are growing up with this technology, they're kind of playing in the evolution of that technology and setting the rules as time progresses. And I think part of that anxiety comes from uh, comes from. Uh, a general lack of understanding because it's so fast paced, it's hard to keep up sometimes. And that disconnection can cause some anxiety. Yeah.
1: Which kind of highlights a point that's not in the lesson. But you think about the pace of Jesus' life and the number of times that he went away to pray. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, Jesus didn't have a smartphone. <laughs> And he still needed to do that. How am I doing? (laughs) And it's really important. So, Matthew 6, I think this is 24. Yes. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And... um, Beg your pardon? Pardon?
2: Cannot
1: serve or cell phone. <laughs> um, serve here uh, was, and the original word is doolin, to be enslaved to. And the two masters uh, in, in the original is curios or absolute owners. And slave life in Jesus' day had two realities. Uh, The slave was not considered a person, but rather a thing, a living tool, a material possession. And once a slave, always a slave, unless his freedom had been purchased for him—redemption. You know, I think about slave, and and to me, I think examining your life as to what you're a slave to, and that's when that that story about the cell phone and me deciding, you know what? it's okay for my phone to be off. Uh, it's not, my daughter said one time, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> so, so I gave that message to my phone. You're not the boss of me. And uh, the other thing Pastor Audi was telling me, that the, the, the phrase hate the one was more like the unlike choice, not the way we necessarily view the word hate. Um, I mean, with hate, it's like we most time it's like something to be avoided. But this is not something we can avoid. It's a choice. But it's our unliked choice. And no one can. Being a Christian is a full time job, regardless of circumstances. How many of you have heard the, uh, the, I'll say, a statement to the effect of that's the pastor's job as far as, you know, talking to people about their faith you heard that oh yeah that's that's his job that's not our job which i think is the point that is our job is being a christian is full time and i was thinking about it this morning and it was really easy for me when i was a teacher to think of my job as being part of my ministry it really, I mean, my job was to walk as a Christian in my classroom. But when I was a computer programmer, it was not so easy to see my job as a Christian there, or at least I never figured it out. But I think a lot of us don't realize that how we are deporting ourselves, what we're doing, is. Our witness and it's it is our job and I certainly don't want to be one that when somebody says well I saw that guy over there who said he was a Christian and I didn't want to be that way so I said no thanks to Jesus I don't want to be I don't want to be that person for sure Either hate or despise love to be devoted, not the emotions of hate and love, but setting of priorities by which you choose to spend your time and energy per- pursuing and preserving. Um, I think that has a lot to do with uh, how many checks you wrote to that priority or how much time you spend on that priority. And um, the word mammon comes from the wor- word root word meaning entrusted to money or possessions, a person who would entrust to a banker to hold deposit for him, a nest egg. I think that entrusting kind of goes back to security also. And uh, I remember in a business class, we were talking about uh, marketing and the, the goal of every advertisement is to create discontent. Because if you don't have that product, your life is less than important or valuable. And I know my my daughter for a long time watched those morning shows. The Today Show was her favorite. And I remember one time coming through the room and the story that was on is what the best toddlers are wearing to the beach. (laughs) I'm like... What? <laughs> Does a toddler really care? <laughs> and, and it was at that time that I decided that the name for those shows are, I call them aspirational TV. You're not cool unless you're doing whatever the Today Show or Good Morning America, and I'm not sure what CBS is, but they'll tell you what will make you cool. Aspirational TV, I thought, wow thankfully she's gotten past that (laughs) I think three toddlers would take care of that (laughs) eventually becoming identified as that which a person would depend on for his or her security in life i.e. his or her God noting that it's the little g uh you cannot serve both Jesus truth is both God and mammon demand your full devotion and focus Devotion to God keeps the importance of mammon in proper perspective. It tempers the temptation to become anxiously obsessive in acquiring or holding on to your mammon. I think we struggle with that as far as a balance. I think that's a really hard one. And I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a good pithy rule to say this is it or this isn't it. But I think that's something we all struggle with. Because obviously, like for myself, I'm retired now, so I don't have to go earn necessarily. I don't have to go to a job, but I do still, I still have bills to pay. So it's not like I can just totally ignore money. So I think that balance there is a really tough one. And I wish I had a good answer. (laughs) I don't know. Does somebody have a good answer? You don't think so? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: I'm not sure that's a good answer to what you're talking about, but years ago I heard James Dodson give a speech to a stadium full of 60,000 men that promised keepers, And his topic was, history is going to trash your treasures. And his context, he, and he, as he went through the talk, he was trying to say that historically, once you're gone, history's going to trash your treasures. That's all the stuff you worried about, the stuff that was so important. In the context of history, is not going to look like much. So he said, men, keep that in mind as you're thinking about your treasures and your idols and your things you're putting before God, because history's going to trash them. So a big picture context for
1: that, I thought. Carl?
2: I think the key word you, you, you made was balance. Uh, I think of creation. Every day, God rested, and it was good. Um, you know, we look at today's world, and we think about well there are animals that eat the next animal. They've got the food chain, and we think, "Well, that's not very good." Well, it is because it keeps our world in balance, and God had planned it that way. He kept our world in balance, and man, in many cases, is because of his his uh, I don't know, the animus of, of each other and and greed for you know to, to, to make himself even better is is constantly dis, this dysfunctioning the balance in our world. And when we have our financial world, I, I think about my you know, the, the prior generation, uh, they always wanted to save enough to leave for their children because they went through the depressions and they would deprive themselves even into their older age at the, Actually, to their detriment in many cases, um, to make sure that they, they left a, an inheritance. Uh, and my uh, my kids and my uh, son-in-laws are sitting there telling me, "Hey, that's yours. Go do it. Go use it. You know, uh, share it." And fortunately, I have a family that believes in in, in giving, you know, and tithing, and, and that, that type of thing. We all do, it. and. Um, God has given us this blessing today that we should share and we should use and put to his good work. So uh, we're not harded, I guess
1: Well, and, and when, you're, when you're...
2: You've got to have enough balance so that you can can take care of your responsibilities so that you're not a, not a detriment to someone else.
1: Well, and you reminded me of, I don't know if it was last week or the week before last, when we were studying the Lord's Prayer, we ask for our daily bread. Not our weekly bread. Not our one monthly bread. And when the Israelites were in the wilderness, they got one day's food. Except for that last day they got two days. But And I'm like, and I guess somebody along the way said, you really need to focus on the 24 hours that are right in front of you, next month will take care of itself. So maybe that is a way of getting that balance. But uh,
3: then, you know, in, in part of the balance is we're also called biblically to be good stewards of what we've been given. <coughs> so if you have a family, you you want to save for college, you want to. Prepare for the future. You need to be a good steward for the
1: future too. Oh yeah, I'm. I'm not saying you don't, but I think that sometimes we—that's that balance of, of. I know that college is coming up and it's really expensive, so I need to put that money away. And I know, I used to tell my students that I will tell you the easy way to get rich. Fifty dollars at a time. Because. Nobody's going to make a million dollars on one thing. I mean, maybe. But but for most of us, it's $50. You know, just that that narrow range, and you will take care of the future. So you cannot serve both. Um, devotion to God keeps the importance of mammon in proper perspective. It tempers the temptation to be anxiously obsessive in acquiring or holding on to your mammon. Devotion to God fills you with the fruit of the Spirit, which... Curbs the devotion to mammon, Galatians 5:22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And devotion to God keeps you in a state of gratitude and humility. Devotion to mammon propels you into a prideful focus on your own achievements. And and I, you know, uh, Carl, you mentioned tithing and and. I think that does provide a tremendous amount of, I'll say, balance in dealing with your money, if you know, because I, you know, my wife and I have set a number and that's, and I watched, I maintain my records, if you will, to know if I'm on track. And I don't really think about the money very much. It just is, it's disappeared from my conscious, pretty much. So, I think that if you do, I think setting a tithe actually does have a benefit in achieving that balance. Thoughts?
4: I think if you have a relationship with God um, and that's what's important to you, then keeping up with the Joneses doesn't matter as much. You know, I think people that don't have a relationship with God. Their main concern is how big is my house, how nice is my car, how flashy is everything. Um, you know, their priorities aren't right,
1: and that's definitely you know a balance as well. So. Yeah, I think I like to call it the sin of comparison. <laughs> I think that you know it says don't covet your neighbor, but I'm like, if if God would permit me to edit the. Ten Commandments, I would change the word covet to compare. Because we all don't have the same gifts. Uh, we all don't have the same life. And so, therefore, some of us are going to receive, we'll say, X blessings, and some are going to receive X minus five blessings and X plus one. And, and if we sit around and compare, we will paralyze ourselves so I think that, and if you don't, if you don't have a relationship with God, comparing yourself to the Joneses, that's probably the best scorecard you can come up with. But as Christians, God's not saying, you know, going to compare me, if you will, to each of you. He's got, you know, this is what you're expected to do, Richard, and and making a difference. What Glenn does, per se. Because I'm holding you accountable. So that leads us to a very controversial beloved life principle 39. Humans are built to serve one master. You can't have it both ways. And Pastor I and I were talking about this. He he put it, we're a single track, one thing at a time kind of people. Yeah, one day at a time. And... I know uh, in uh, teaching a lot of the stuff that if you are multitasking you may get two things done but neither one of them will be excellent. And if you're cooking dinner you probably should have three average dishes. Because I know that you can't serve, okay, we're serving the meat now, and then in 30 minutes we'll do the vegetables, and then after that, that wouldn't work. But um, it is a principle that if we're going to do something excellent, we need to concentrate it one thing at a time.
2: You're probably moms are better
1: than anybody. Yeah. Multitasking. Multitasking, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably would be the poster child for one thing at a time. Pastor Adi, um says that the, uh, verse 25 and 27 are rever- referring to our basic needs. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life?
4: Some would say that you actually take away from your life by all the worrying.
1: Oh, yeah. It's more hard than good. Here, you know, he's comparing us to um, the birds of the air. And, you know, in, in fact, in other places in the Bible, he says, you're worth more to me than the sparrows. So we are not to... He's telling us not to worry. Yes.
2: Well, when it says, you know, can you uh, talk about worrying again? We talked about worrying last week. Mm-hmm. He uh, talks about the sparrows, the birds of the air, and even the birds of the air are smart enough that, that when the drought comes, the birds know, or the winter comes, God has made it. Knowledgeable to the birds, it's time to move on somewhere else. Take action to continue your your livelihood. Uh, too many of us sit and, and try to make the same th- something happen out of by doing the same thing over and over again that didn't work before. Mm-hmm. And, you know that's, that's the, the definition of insanity. It's, it didn't work before. Why try try keep it up? Nice? Move on. Take action to, to take care of the worry and get on with your life can do
1: it with God's help. Well, and that's the whole business about trusting God. You know, I was was doing my devotion the other, I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before that, and there were some verses, I wish I could recall them, but it was talking about faith. And faith is trusting in something even though you don't understand it. And we are called to have faith. So there's a lot of things out there that we're not, gonna, we're not going to understand it all. And I think sometimes with the increase in reliance on science and information, I think that we have lost something there in that people want to know all the facts. But if you have all the facts, you have no need for faith. And yet we desperately do need faith. And um so who determines our value? We can
4: too we have if we have faith that God loves us, then we know we are of
1: value. Okay. God determines our value. But our, our belief in God valuing us also allows us to say, I am worth something. You know, God does care about me. And if you don't have, if you don't have God, if you don't know that, I don't want to go there. Yes?
4: Well, a good example of how our value was determined, or if we're questioning it, is... It's pretty should be pretty pretty clear to us when Jesus was on the cross. That kind of determined how valuable how valuable we are to God because He sacrificed His own Son for us, mm-hmm. and His Son didn't didn't deserve to do that. He did that because of how much He values us. So I think that is one way we can look at it too.
1: And I think that we also out of that also should then turn around if. If God values me, then I need to value you. Because the truth of the matter is the answer is who values somebody else is? God values them.
0: Well
3: and I think the, the whole theme of this study that Pastor has kept pushing are we are God's beloved. And that's kind of hard. I think that's something he's tried to stress over and over because I think we don't think that very much.
1: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think that, and especially that word, the use of the word beloved, I've I, I really liked that myself. I, that's been really special to me. And you think about it, okay, if I'm God's beloved, So's everybody else around me. And if God's going to treat me this way, then I need you. I need to treat you. I can't do it as well as God does, but I need to try as close as I can get. Yes? We kind of need to look at it like uh, you may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. That's the way my dad used to emphasize things to me is that, that... it, the way I live my life, the way I act on a normal basis, that's what people see. And if I'm not living according to principles of the gospel or of Christ, then then they're going to see something that's mm-hmm. Christ in me. And that's, that's what we need to be aware of. We need, we need to do that. And it goes right back to that Galatians verse. All those things should be... Attributes that describe us. Do not worry about your life. Jesus is not objecting to normal or prudent foresight or preparation. Miramen is obsessive worry. And that would be different from being prudent, over worrying about something. You know, we certainly do need to, you know, we need to think about today. We need to think about, well, you know, what's coming up this week, next month. You know, what are the things in our pathway uh, is not life more than that. Are you worth much more? How do you measure the worth or value of your life? I think that's an essay question. <laughs> Let me hand out some paper. We'll all write down the answers. That's not an easy one.
3: Well, we tend to be modest about our skills. I can tell someone else, but their strengths and abilities are. But... I don't feel like I have a lot of, you know, it's, we're more shy about all the gifts and skills that God has given us. We see them in others, but not ourselves.
1: Hmm. So maybe we should compliment each other more often. (laughs) I mean, how many of you would say that I am modest about my abilities?
0: We all view ourselves in such a different way than somebody else will view us from their point
1: of view. We're pretty critical, aren't we?
0: Oh <laughs> we're
1: Or even enemy in that
4: Well the world will usually try to tell you put a price tag on all the stuff you have. hmm What makes your your value or your life, especially when you're selling insurance, they'll say, Well, how much all of your goods do you have that we should ensure?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, therefore, there's a value. Some others would say <coughs> the value or worth
4: is how we feel the need that others, how much need, how, how, how am I needed by others? Uh, is sometimes how we feel value. In other words, do our kids need us? Do our grandparents need us? Do our parents need us? And if you're getting the, if you're made to feel that you're not worthy or you're not needed, sometimes we don't value ourselves, and someone else doesn't need us as
1: much. Yeah, I actually think that that plays into a lot of the thinking behind a person who commits suicide is I have no value. You know, nobody will miss me. So I think one of the things that we need to do now, this, this coming week is make sure we tell several people how valuable they are to us. Because I think that that's uh, a very important thing to do. And yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. How does God feed the birds?
3: I know. You know. George and Wild Birds Unlimited. He spends more money there than I do on groceries.
1: I know how to fix that. As soon as we had rats showing up in the bird feeder, my my, uh, bird feeding, uh, my bird seed budget went to zero. He
3: feeds the
1: rats peanut butter. Oh, he feeds the rats peanut butter. (laughs) But how does God feed you? A day at a time? Actually, if you're serving God, He's he's feeding you spiritually every minute of your life.
4: He he feeds us by the Word.
1: He feeds us with the Word?
4: Being in settings like this, this helps Feed us and strengthen us and prepare us for what's coming up, and and, and
0: enriches
1: us and just things like that is how one of the ways He feeds us. Well, when we talk about how critical we are of ourselves, the other way that He feeds us is when somebody comes up and compliments us on how we did something. You know, that's another way of being fed. Uh, We're fed in worship. I mean, per, for me personally, I really love singing the songs. That really that means a lot to me.
2: By the way, Richard, you've done a great job this morning.
1: Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I've been I've been. <laughs> Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour? And I, you know, I know medically that. There are people that are harming themselves with their worry. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for its own. You have little faith, which is kind of right in the middle of that passage, Jesus is is drawing connection between worry and faith. And it's not worrying about your salvation. It's it's worrying about your future. It's when you do that, you are impacting your testimony to others. Because the others, I think he says, uh, the pagans run after all these things. And we're just like our ne- our next door neighbor, necessarily. And our testimony is how we face those things that, you know, we're all facing. Good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh. You know,
2: <clears throat> too many people take this this segment right here as uh, I think maybe the millennials especially take this segment as uh, God will provide, the earth is going to provide for me, I'm entitled, I can sit back and just take. That God, when God created Adam and Eve, he also created hunters and gatherers. He gave us a responsibility to go forward and fruitfully manage our own lives and the lives of the, 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 the earth. Uh, and he didn't expect us to sit on our hands doing nothing. Waiting for somebody to feed our open mouth. He gave gave us a job to do. He gave us
1: a job. You know?
2: know, We all have a responsibility to be part of His creation and part of managing our life. And and too often, this is forgotten.
1: I I know for me, part of it is asking. The
2: word is contribution. What's your contribution, not only to yourself, but to your fellow man and to your.
1: And and I, I would probably, the way I put it to myself more than, is what does God want me doing right now? And and that job has changed, you know, over time. You know, there was a time when my job was to go be in a classroom. And now my job's a little different. But it really isn't, I, I think you that's a really important point when we look at, why are we here? We're we are here to do a job that God has given us. And in that respect, it's kind of not my life. I'm more like a, a tool that God has for his purposes. And yet I think a lot of people look at their lives as being a possession This is my life, and I'm going to do this and this and this and this because this is what I want, and I don't think God agrees with that. (laughs) Yes? For
4: many years, um, uh, a large part of my prayer is for God to allow me to be a conduit of his love word conduit, I mean, I use it all the time. I wonder why my husband's in construction. It may be
0: important
1: to
4: use it. <laughs> I use it, but it works I mean, really conduit from one to another. You
0: know,
4: so um, that's something that is important to me. That I could, and, and I'm honored. I would be honored to be a conduit, the conduit of this
1: life. I think that's a great word. I, I just love that. I mean, because... I was telling Glenn before class, uh, the translation of the Bible that I have frequently will have a verse that say, you know, those who are called. I said, can you picture those? So when I write a copy of verse out of the Bible, I change those to people. Because I can picture people and I can picture conduit. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a great word, you know. It, it just, that's, that's super. It's all be conduits. <laughs> I don't know. I think that if we were all thinking about ourselves as conduits, you know, what's, what's the, what's flowing through that conduit? Love. Love faith. God. Grace. Hmm? Grace. Grace.
0: Grace.
1: Grace. Mercy the fruits of the spirit pagans run after the the priority of temporal security and mammon and i think that you know focus on if you focus on god you will dis- diminish worry it will shrink the priority of seeking is devoting yourself to your relationship with god and i think that You know, there are some examples, devotional life, stewardship, living in gratitude and humility. Balancing focus on self and others. I don't know that you can focus on yourself and be devoted to God. Because I think that God, God is looking for you to be his representative, his example and and if we don't if we just focus on ourselves there's no way for the mercy to flow out each day has enough trouble of its own focus on, on one day at a time finish the task of each day prepare each day for the bigger long term projects and pray daily something that, that we do at our house, which I think helps this, is my wife absolutely hates commercials. So we never watch any live television whatsoever. (laughs) Never. And so everything is recorded. So we don't get the, the advertisements, you know, telling us how deficient our lives are. But the other part that diminishes worry is... My opinion, observation, is a lot of the news stories that are on the evening news are the news people trying to project, well, this will happen, or to explain this. That's what the fast forward button's for. (laughs) We just blow through those things. If it looks like the story's about predicting what will happen, we don't listen to it. And most of the broadcasts, not all of them, but many of them, the very last story is always a, a feel-good story. So we can always end the news on a good note, regardless. I think that would be a that would also be very helpful in eliminating worry. Uh, let's see. Um, this next section is about clinical anxiety and depression. And Pastor I talked about there is uh, sometimes that's a result of a chemical imbalance in your body and your brain. The, the one that I wanted to t- just briefly touch on or highlight is C, attention to self-talk. One of the things that became more and more apparent in the last years of my teaching is the power of the brain. And that's that self-talk. And if we are overly critical, we say, I can't do this. If you say, I can't do something, you are increasing the chances that you won't be able to do it. And so I think that one of the things that we need to be really careful about is those little thoughts in our head. And if we're thinking about, I can't do this, I'm too tired, you know, whatever that criticism is that keeps popping up in your brain, we need to pray about eliminating that and certainly replaying those words that other people say to us about how we have blessed them how we have benefited them, how we've helped them. There used to be an old phrase that, you know, one negative comment wipes out a hundred good ones. That's true. So we probably need to be working on getting our hundred said and forget about that one. I mean, you do wanna say, don't touch that if somebody's gonna get burned, but uh, a lot of criticism is not that kind of an emergency. Yes?
2: I find it really interesting that when I get here, it says treatments include and down here in C. Mm-hmm. If you read through that, clinical treatments all include focus on yourself. Self, 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 fix this, fix your fix you, fix you, fix you. And yet, if you look at the 4B up above, it, it says in the previous section. It says balancing focus on self and others. Yes. More people that I, yeah, you know, people that, that I run into that talk about depression are so. They, 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 the more depressed they get, the more self-focused they become. The more depressed they get. Mm-hmm. It's it's a dive into your internal self and. So, so many can benefit by getting out and serving others. And Jesus' point is, be a servant. Get off of yourself and get out and serve others. And and you will find self-worth by serving oh, yeah. others.
1: Just like, what's Jesus' job yet, for me today?
2: Clinical treatments don't deal with. Get out and serve others.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I think, I think part of the reason why it's there is to be aware of, as I know that, with people that I know of that are depressed, they have a lot of that negative talk going on in their brain, and, and I think it's important for us, on, if you will, on the outside to build to encourage those people and to give them their compliments.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us an email with your question or comment to Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to read it during an upcoming class. You can also go to our website at www.messiahlutheranpodcast.com where you can find links to all the previous episodes and copies of our class notes in case you want to follow along with each episode. You can also find out where to subscribe to the podcast at messiahlutheranpodcast.com slash subscribe for links on how you can find us on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any other podcast catcher of your choice. If you feel like we have given you any value during this podcast, please consider going to our podcast page in iTunes and leaving a rating or a review. Not only will that provide us with valuable feedback that we can use to improve the podcast for you, but it will help this podcast to climb the iTunes rankings and help us spread God's message to anyone willing to listen. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.